Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and thanks for joining us. On tonight's program, we look at the following stocks, PTB Group, that's PTB, the ticker code, Infomedia, Warrego Energy, GR Engineering Services, Cube and Magnus Energy Technologies. We'll do that with Julia Lee of Berman Invest and Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. And then Paul Ricard will look at reporting season so far and pinpoint the stock or stocks that have reported so well he really likes them going forward. And then he'll talk to you about this CBA share buyback. Is it for you? That's the show, so let's kick off with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Julia Lee from Berman Invest, thanks for coming on the program. Great to be here, Pete. Now, I've asked you to look at some really small companies that viewers have asked us about, but A2 Milk is a big story today. What do you think? Yeah, we saw the shares uh, gaining more than 10% on the market um, on the back of an Australian article uh, talking about Nestle sniffing around the company for a possible takeover. Now, A2 Milk shares are, have halved in the last 52 weeks, so they are looking like great value. So you'd expect that if there was a takeover approach to come through, that the minimum level would probably be around about $8.50, and that's really why you saw the shares taking a big jump up. It came also on the day where, you know, we heard that Sydney Airports had seen a revised takeover offer as well, uh, rising from $8.25 to $8.50. 45, it was swiftly rejected. So it does show that, that the appetite for takeovers is quite big at the moment, given the amount of money that's sloshing around the world at the moment. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm going to throw at you is Bluescope. It's a company that you've been giving a, a tick for. And I know you've, you've bought Bluescope. It reported well today too. Yeah, talk, talking about money sloshing around, not only did they triple their dividend payment, but they came out with a special dividend as well as a $500 million buyback. So look, there weren't any surprises in the last financial year, given that uh, they came in within guidance, but lots of money being returned to shareholders. So very happy there. The other one that we um, have is car sales, and that came out with a strong result as well. So that those shares were up 3.5%. And of course, during lockdown, you know, we haven't been able to spend our money on a lot of things, but people have been buying cars and uh, car sales have, has been going quite strong. Yeah, and those used car prices are miles better than they have been because all our new cars can't be sought at the moment. Sourced. Uh, let's just quickly go through some of these small companies. PTB Group, what do you reckon? Look, this is an interesting one. I'd never seen it before, but having a look at some of the numbers, it's been quite impressive. Now, they do look at, I guess, tinkering with engines for uh, turbine uh, airplanes um, in the Pacific region. And look, the first thing you think when you think of the aircrafts is that tourism has been under a lot of pressure, but only around about 20% of their revenue actually comes from the tourism sector. And their first half numbers looked pretty strong. Not only that, they have been um, upgrading throughout um, I guess throughout the year as well. So they're expecting to see um, earnings between 22.5 to $23 million when they report. And to give you an idea of the growth there, last financial year they reported $12.3 million. So a smaller company, but some strong growth there. Um, and look, the growth numbers are looking pretty good, especially with a lot of the trouble that we've seen around the region with COVID 19. So I'd have to say, Pete, this one looks pretty interesting. Okay, Infomedia. 
<laughs> well, we were talking about car sales. Um, and look, this one looks at uh, software as well as software as a service for things like car parts. And no doubt that the demand for car parts is going to be uh, quite strong throughout the next few years because of the demand that we've seen for used cars and new cars during this COVID-19 period. I guess some of the key risks here is that they do lose some of their contracts with their key brands. But for the time being, things are looking pretty good here, uh, I think, for Infomedia. So IFM's a stock code. Um, and looking good for this one as well. Okay, Warrego Energy. These are these are small companies. Yeah, Warrego Energy. Yeah, look, this is an oil and gas explorer. It's a no from me, Pete. The oil and gas space is a pretty difficult one, and I think it's coming at a time where on a macro level, we're seeing downgrades to the global economy, especially some concern around the growth over China that that's starting to slow down. And of course, just watching that Delta variant and the impact that's having in terms of global growth. So look, energy, I think, is going to be difficult over the next six months. So I'd be probably steering clear, especially in that exploration space where unless you have an intimate handle on the area that they're exploring, it can be quite difficult to try and forecast where the share price is going to go. Okay. What about um, a company called GR Engineering <laughs> This one's been around for a very long time. And look, if we have a look at that mining contracting space, share prices have been pretty depressed, but GR Engineering has been doing relatively well. Not only that, they have been announcing a fair number of contract wins, especially in that gold space. My number one concern with uh, mining contractors is that most of these contracts are fixed contracts. So when you see costs start to rise, and of course, inflation has been a theme that many investors have have been speaking about throughout the last few months, then you know that profitability can disappear very quickly. Look, the main concern around some of these mining contractors has been around labor costs. But the good news is that GR Engineering has said that for FY21, they haven't seen their labor costs rising and they haven't seen their margins being crimped. This is, though, I think something to watch going forward for the time being on the revenue side. It looks like revenue growth is very strong. My only concern here would be on the cost side and keeping a close eye on what the company says in regards to labour costs. So is that a tick or a cross? That is a tick for the time being, especially given that they haven't been under pressure because of labour costs. Um, and of course, WA is looking pretty good from a COVID-19 point of view at the moment. But look, I'd be very quick to lighten some of the load if I saw that Delta variant becoming a problem in WA. Yeah, Cube's a company you've talked about in the past. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, Pete, I, I really like Cube and I, I liked it a lot more a few months ago when all the tailwinds were in its favour, where, you know, the Australian economy was growing strongly, where grain prices were doing really well, commodity prices were doing very well. But at the moment, we're potentially looking at another double dip recession. And Cube is one of those things that is just a micro scope on what's happening in the Australian economy. It looks at transportation, so it has a big ports business, trucking business, rail business. So I guess it's really in the import and export business. So with lockdowns happening at the moment, I'd probably be neutral on Cube for the time being, given that we don't know how long lockdowns are going to last. And look, if you've gone to your local uh, supermarkets and driven along, you know, all the non-essential stores are closed at the moment, which means you can only click and collect or have it delivered. Um, and of course, there's only so much capacity there. So I'd be neutral on Cube at this point. So, but if you wanted to play a longer game on the basis that once reopening and vaccinations, 
help in 2022, would you expect Cube's share price to improve, you know, later in 2022? Yeah, look, I think this one would probably be one I'd have a re-look at after reporting season. And yeah. that's because I think the outlook is going to be key for a lot of these companies and the companies that are being impacted in the short term because of COVID-19 aren't giving guidance. And as a result, I think that's holding some of the share prices back. So Cube's definitely a business that I'm interested in. Um, I'd probably be looking at this one after reporting season is over. And um, you know, once we hear about the commentary from the company and hopefully any bad news that's out there um, is already released. So Julia, um, I, I, I believe, you know, one of our viewers said you, they heard you talking about MNS, Magnus Energy Technologies. What do you think of this company? This is a company that looks at lithium-ion batteries. It has a manufacturing facility um, in the New York State. Um, and the reason why I think this one is interesting is because it's been winning contracts and it's been winning quite significant contracts over the last six months. The key here, I think, is to watch to make sure that that momentum does continue. But we know that lithium at the moment is a hot theme, that we have seen the use of electric vehicles um, rising much more rapidly than expected and MNS has been one of those that has been benefiting. So some big contracts, government contracts as well, that it has been winning. And I'd just be keeping an eye on those contract wins. Happy to stay with it as long as those contract wins keep on rolling in. Yeah. It, it apparently fell fairly hard today, 11% or something. But in your reckoning, is the buying opportunity for the patient investor, given the fact that it is actually in that battery, electric vehicle and energy space? You know, Pete, when you're looking at that lithium space, it can be quite volatile. And given where the market is at the moment, today was a day when the market fell 0.6%. So you'd expect some of those higher risk, more speculative companies to fall even more. And there was quite a bit of volatility in some of those lithium as well as um, even Linus uh, saw a bit of a tumble today. So nothing goes up in a straight line, but you'd expect when the market's hitting those record highs and rising that these type of companies would outperform but the flip side is if you do see the market falling and correcting you'll see these companies falling much more than the market okay it's time just to take a stiff drink and cop it sweet <laughs> okay julia leeds from berman invest thanks for joining us thanks pete become an annual switzer report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where i reveal the exact strategies i use to invest you'll get access to an exclusive pdf video recording and even a free copy of my book join the rich club with a 30-day money-back guarantee a switzer report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future find out more at switzerreport.com.au youtube offer or click on the link in the description below And that was Julia Lee of Burn Invest. Now joining me now is Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. Adam, great to see you. Yes, good to see you too, Peter. What a fantastic day on the market we had. Yeah, considering some of the challenges out there, um, you know, with the Delta fears in the US, the lockdowns here, we're not doing all that badly considering, are we? Yeah, look, I think so. And I think that, you know, it's the it's the market looking at the largest stocks of, of, the por of the portfolio of the world, the ASX 200. And obviously, a lot of the smaller ones, cafes, restaurants and clubs, they're the ones that are closed. But the large stocks, Wes Farmers like Bunnings, you know, all of these other stores, are, JB Hi-Fi, are doing really, really well with this lockdown uh, that, that is upon us. 
Yeah, and, and they've also adapted their and, and ramped up their online offering at yeah. a faster rate than they would have if the coronavirus hadn't come to town. Well, it's a big shake-up for the retail sector and really it's exactly what they needed because retail was languishing behind online sales mm -hmm. and now they've really had to push that through and get that moving. I think it's fantastic for the retail sector and it's only good for consumers as well. Yeah, I'm really happy. Bluescope apparently reported pretty well today. It has been a stock that we've been mentioning on this program yeah. of people like Bluescope. So did you, did you check it out? Is it as good as people are telling me? Ah, uh, look, it was it was a good result. Um, you know, I'm really comfortable with Blue Scope. I think somebody asked me about five years ago if I was to own a stock in ten years' time, what would it be? And I said Blue Scope. Mm. I think this one has got some really good legs on it. With, uh, I guess overall, I mean, you you got to look at market conditions, and it has been really robust for steel. It has been really robust for iron ore. Uh, and, and certainly they're doing a buyback in there as well, which means they've got a bit of cash. So, yeah, I really like the stock and I think it's a good one. Okay. Now, we've got a group of sort of smaller companies now and these have come directly from our viewers um, yep. asking us about these companies. Uh, let's have a crack at them now. PTB Group, another company I really know. Tell us about it, Adam. Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it, what it does is, is makes turbines. Um, so uh, for the aeronautical space, uh, for a couple of other other businesses, but th that's pretty pretty much what they make is turbines. And so the the stock the stock is called Pacific Turbines, so it's in the name. Uh, they've got uh, shops, I guess, or, or, or centres all around the world. But um, this is a really tough one for me. Um, I, I'm going to reserve my judgment to the 27th of August is when they report. So I think anybody who's looking at this stock should definitely wait until that, uh, that time to get a really clear indication on how things are going. I, this one does concern me. It does, doesn't trade a lot. So 12,000 shares traded today. So it was only really one trade that went through. So I'm always cautious about these low volume stocks. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that they did uh, upgrade their numbers uh, coming into this reporting season. But a lot of that was from a sale and lease back from one of their Warry Wood um, uh, properties. And it was about $5 million. They're looking for a sort of EBIT around $20 million. So $5 million of that already baked in. I I'm just a little bit cautious. I'm not going to say whether it's a buy, hold or a sell. I'm going to wait till the 27th of August. We'll chat again and I think that's when we'll get a better, clearer picture of the company. Okay. Warrego Energy, WGO. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate, but this is what the <laughs> this is what the viewers want. Is that is that what you're trying to tell me? This is what the viewers want. Uh, okay, so this one, look, I'm always skeptical in the uh, in the energy space, and I guess in in the oil and gas space, and this is exactly where this thing is. The thing that I've uh, the problem that I probably have with this one it is it only has a couple of uh, tenements, one in WA, but then also one in Spain, so it doesn't really offer too much, you know. You could be you could be Beach, Santos, Oil Search, or Woodside. It's probably a better play for you, but in these smaller ones, so I'd just be a little bit careful here. Uh, it's an exploration oil and gas space. Um, I, I think you know I prefer something closer to Australia. It's got one asset here, one over overseas. I prefer something that's more local. Uh, so for me, it's probably an avoid because I prefer the the larger cap stocks in this one market. Oil seekers, I know. Let's go to uh, GR Engineering Services, another one which is not really on my radar screen, but your yeah. radar is a little bit wider than mine. This one's actually done okay, uh, and 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 it's looking all right. And so probably in the mining, it's sort of an engineering one or mining services stock. Mm -hmm. um, they've just picked up some really decent contracts. One from Bardock, 
Gold, which they've got an engineering uh, contract out. They did get one for Northern Star the other day for one of their mines, and they are becoming sort of preferred tenders across uh, a lot of these uh, mining mining space. Now, obviously, commodity prices have gone very, very well. There's a lot of cash that these commodity guys have, and they're going to need to upgrade or get engineering in to upgrade their products. So I think that's right. One of the things you've got to be careful about engineering businesses is called EPC, which is basically a, a, a procurement contract, which is basically a fixed price, fixed delivery date, and fixed number. So if any blowout goes anywhere through, you've got to be really careful because we know projects, like if you build your own house, projects do go out of, you know, cost overrides, those kinds of things. These guys are offering fixed costs. So I'm always cautious if they're not leaving a little bit of room in there. And obviously, the company's probably looking and saying, well, we're going to get a good deal out of this. Look, it's an interesting one. I think I'm actually I'm on the, erring on the side of a buy on this one because of the contracts that they do have and the, and the ability, if they can get those right, I think this is a nice, interesting one. G&G looks okay for me. Certainly one not to ignore. Now, a more, a more well-known company. Yes. Cube. Yeah, sort of a, it's a boring one, but I guess it's a good boring one. And certainly infrastructure has been the name of the game for Sydney Airport, Spark Infrastructure. There's a lot of these companies that are looking very, very good in this infrastructure space. I think this one is okay as well. Um, it, it's never really shot the lights out. Um, you know, it, it'd be a hold at best for me. But it might attract some attention from some larger organisations that need infrastructure. We know that the pension funds are very hungry for good quality infrastructure, and I think this one has some good quality. So if you hold it, hold it. I wouldn't be buying anything here, but I think this one could be a little bit of an acquisition target going down the line. Okay. Now, this is an interesting one. Magnus Energy Technologies. Now, the Switzer report yes. uh, it gave it a bit of a tick some months ago. We ended up buying that in a, a small allocation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I believe, you know, a, a number of you um, celebrity uh, brokers have been talking about. Tell us about Magnus Energy Technologies. Look, this is a really interesting business. And it, look, I like it. I've got, I own some personally, so I must, uh, and I do have uh, stock for my clients. So, uh, again, I'm putting that disclaimer out there. Oh, 11% today too. So. Yeah, d- 12 and a half or 12.3. So, yeah, look, um, a little bit of heat has now started to come out of the stock. The stock definitely ran on the back of uh, a, a famous investor, uh, John Hancock, who is Gina Reinhardt's son, who put $20 million into this, right? Now, the thing is, is that he put it into it, but it was through another company, and it's the company that he's a director of. So they used John Hancock's name to get the share price moving, which it did. It moved and, and moved quite solidly. Now, we knew that it was going to consolidate or it was going to come back, but Magnus is a really interesting business. It builds batteries, and in fact, it's got a battery in Toowoomba that's working and it's providing energy for Toowoomba. They've also got a very large battery in New York, which is also now starting to go through, and that will actually list on the NASDAQ. So again, shareholders, I would hold this because you will get some access to that NASDAQ and get that battery in uh, New York. So, look, it's an interesting business, and they've got the end-to-end. They've got a, a graphite mine. They've got the business, uh, the battery manufacturing, and then they've got the production as well. So, it's an end-to-end product. This thing should be a lot higher from where it is, but it definitely has some uh, some demons, some old uh, workings in the ASX that people don't uh, aren't too happy with. And so, every time it sort of pops its head above, it gets slammed down pretty quickly. So this one, be cautious of. 
I bought some. I bought some some today at thirty eight cents. I think around here, I think 32, 35, 30, 38, I think it's a good buy, and I think you will do well in this one. It's a good quality stock. And, and some companies become effectively playthings for smarties, don't they? Like if this gets, goes down to thirty two, it could be buyers. It gets up towards forty, they sell off again. And they're basically waiting for another big new story that will take it to a new high level. Yes, that's right. And that's what that new story was before with John Hancock coming in because he's had a lot of success with Vulcan, V-U-L, and now I think the market was trying to follow him in. But you could see the activity on the share price. Every time it sort of kept popping up, there were sellers in there to take it out. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, overall, it's great technology. It ticks a lot of ESG boxes for clients, and I think that's important. Um, but, yeah, it just needs to work through and get that new shareholder base going before it can start to move again. Right, one final curveball, which I'm sure you've, you've thought about, <laughs> the A2 milk story is up, up today, and I, I've been a supporter of A2, and one of the reasons was I thought that, well, maybe a takeover a takeover the possibility was going to come. I mentioned companies like Nestle. What's the story today? Yeah, well, Nestle is definitely the rumour. You're absolutely right. The stock's up 12% today or 72 cents. Mm. Uh, I think it's short covering today on the potential of a rumour of a takeover. Okay. So the, 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 the shorters are covering this one. It has been highly shorted in the market. So that would be one to keep an eye on. The stock doesn't pop 12%, especially in this large cap space where it doesn't have something where there's smoke, there's fire. There's 48 million shares sitting on the short at the moment. And I suspect if you look at that tomorrow, that number will be less because I think the short coverings are coming in. And I heard the same room in Nestle as well. So it is pretty prevalent in the market. Okay. Well, the good thing is that all my wonderful viewers, I don't think any of them bagged me for, for sticking by A2. So <laughs> I really hope this rumour is a really ridgy did true rumour. Above ten dollars, Peter. If we could get it above ten, then I'd be happy. That's where I own shares at ten. So anything above that, I'm all right. I'm probably around the same as well. All right, Adam Boss, <laughs> True and Partners. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Joining me now is Paul Rico. I love the Switch Report, and Paul's been checking out reporting season, and also. Uh, has a really interesting take on the CBA share buyback. Is it for you? That's what you're going to answer today. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Let us start reporting season because it's, yeah, it's been celebrated as a very good one so far. What's your take on reporting season? And what is the stock that you think looks really good given what the show and tell from the company has put out there for us to see? Yeah, I mean, they've been three really good ones. I think Suncorp was uh, last week, Peter. We've had um, Blue Scope today, which has been pretty good. And even JB Hi-Fi has been okay. I guess of those, um, just come back to your question, I mean, so far pretty good. I mean, it's uh, early days still, and we really haven't had a flavour from a lot of the companies. I mean, I think one thing that's clear, there's lots of money for shareholders going around. We're going to see some whopping big dividends from the miners. And even other companies such as uh, JB Hi-Fi today, uh, and BlueScope are rewarding shareholders with good-sized dividends. Quite a few specials in there too. So a lot of money coming back to shareholders, uh, and that'll be good for the market because that most of that will probably find itself back into the market. I think the one I've been most impressed with is, is actually BlueScope, Peter, not because I haven't been a fan of the company, but just that uh, in terms of its forecast for the first half of this year, uh, this is the start. It's looking forward to the 
the, the, the current half year we're just in, it's actually even higher than its profit for last year. So uh, mm. it's really seeing buoyant times in terms of uh, the steel market, uh, both here and in the United States. Now, I did caution that may not continue, but um, steel margins are through the roof and um, it rewarded shareholders again today, not only with a big ordinary dividend, but also a special dividend. Yeah, I'm going to be happy about that because I know that Julia Lee tipped it not long, all that long ago and so did um, uh, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. But what I like more than anything, Paul, is you're saying that the outlook statement is looking good. And so it's all very well looking at a company that's done well. We want to know a company can, can keep on doing well. So Blue Scope's the one you're giving a big tick to. I also give Suncorp a tick too, Peter. I mean, I haven't been a huge fan of Suncorp. You haven't? But... Uh... You know, look, I thought they did pretty well. It was across the board profit increase, even allowing for some challenges in New Zealand with some high higher insurance claims, but uh, a good increase in premium. And that was probably the biggest thing was their best rate of premium growth since 2013, I think it was. Uh, and good work on, on the banking side with a bit of growth coming back into their into their key books. So I thought that was probably the other one I'd look at as being a stock that uh, it's been a lot higher, Peter, and uh, around about $13 is, is we're not near as high. So I think there's some value in Suncorp as well. Good point. I, mean, I think you know, I heard you say in an earlier conversation with me today that Bendigo wasn't all that well received. What, what, what was the, the report from Bendigo like? Yeah, I didn't think it was too too bad, Peter, but the market's taken a bit of a dim view on it. I, I, I guess uh, one of the challenges with Bendigo is that they uh, their net interest margin was up quite substantially in the second half, mm. and they foreshadowed that that would continue in, in the next half. So the market's feeling is probably going to be a bit more challenging in terms of uh, growing revenue. They've certainly got good volume growth, Peter, so uh, their volume growth is probably one of the highest, but... Uh, market taking a dim view on the NIM, and maybe just in terms of the overall number, Peter, uh, expectations were potentially a little high coming in. So uh, I, I think the, the sell-off today, if anything, is a bit of an overreaction on that result. That, that's my first take. Okay. So that's what we're reporting season and the stock you, you really like, two stocks, in fact. Let's go to the CBA buyback. So in a nutshell, Paul, who are the people who should think about saying yes to this and those who just should, as you often say, throw it in the bin? Look, off-market buybacks, Peter, are all about your personal tax rate or your entity's tax rate. They work for zero rate and low rate taxpayers and they don't work for anyone who's paying more than 30%. So first thing I say to someone, if they've got a high tax rate, don't even worry about the offer book, it, throw it in the waste paper bin. Sure. If your tax rate's under about 20%, it's worth looking at. They work brilliantly for self-managed super funds in pension mode. Not too bad for self-managed super funds in accumulation mode, but not as good. And also for you know individuals who might own shares but don't pay, getting taking advantage of the nineteen thousand two hundred dollar tax free threshold. But it really don't work for anybody else because it's all about just a distribution of franking credits, uh, and that's great as we know for some some taxpayers. Okay, now I think it's too complicated. You know, in a you know an audio visual production like this to explain it in detail and, and people really should go to your piece in the yep. Switzerland report you know you get a free trial and have a look if, if, it, if it's something that's really important to them but let's talk through some of the, the the nuts and bolts of this Paul if say for example you 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 held um 500 CBA shares could, can you just say yeah, we'll take the whole lot yeah look you don't have to tender the whole amount Peter you can tender uh, any amount, uh, uh, so not, not, none, some or all. 
um, you will be subject to sort of a priority. So by and large, um, you know, you're guaranteed to get the first 100 shares away. Um, but it's the sort of thing also that I would expect will be heavily scaled back. And that's what hap has happened to every other off-market buyback because CBA is only buying back about 3.5% of its ordinary shares. Now, uh, there are a lot of people I said this buyback doesn't work for, but there are a lot of people that it does work for. And essentially, most of them will tend to probably the full amount and therefore you'd expect it to be scaled back. And that's what I expect will be happen here. That leads me to another question, Peter, is that you are given the option of being able to specify the price you'd like to sell at into the buyback. Mm -hmm. And you can do that two ways. It's by basically by setting what's so-called the tender discount. So you tender between a discount of 10 and 14% to the market price. Obviously, CBA buys back the shares at the highest discount, lowest price, and doesn't buy back the, if, if it's got capacity, doesn't buy back the shares at uh, a higher price and lower discount. I would expect that this will go at the maximum discount of 14% because it will be scaled back. So if you're thinking about participating, either 10 to 14%, or if you don't even want to think about it, there's a, there's a third option, Peter. It's called final price, and that's where you let the market work out what the final price is, and you just get, you just get rolled up. So uh, maybe for small shareholders, the easiest thing to do is let the big, big boys and girls work out what the price is going to be. You just tend to final price. But... I would expect it to go at a 14% discount. Okay. The, probably the best question for me to ask is, what are you going to do? you got a, a truckload of CBA shares being a former employee. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not in pension phase, Peter. If, if I was in pension phase, I would um, tender the whole amount. Whole amount? Uh, yep. And okay. Don't rock the bank, but go on. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, then a question what you do afterwards. And one of the options of people selling into a buyback is you buy those same shares back on the market. Mm. And this is why, and effectively, Peter, um, for people in pension phase, it's like selling at $114 when CBA is trading at $100. Mm. So you sell into the buyback at about almost an effective price. By the time you get the dividend uh, credits back as a tax refund, your effective price is close to $114. If you want to reinvest in CBA, um, you could go back and buy back those shares at $100. So that's what makes the transaction so attractive to some taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And so the big question, and I think it's really important when you ask, if you do accept, you've got to have a plan what to do with the cash. Mm -hmm. And really, you've got three options. Buy the shares back on market. Secondly, I would say one option is to buy into another bank because you might say that CBA is very, very expensive. One of the reasons why it's been coming off a bit the last couple of days. Or well, the third option is potentially would be to, um, you know, go and invest in something else. And I guess if I was um, in pension phase, Peter, uh, I would tender the whole amount. I don't think I'll get accepted for that. It'll only be a portion. Uh, and then I would probably look to um, maybe invest in one of the other major banks. That's probably the way I would play it. But, um, you know, I'm not in pension phase, so it's a slightly different transaction. Okay. And, and finally, Paul, um, if you were participating, what of those options would you take? The 40% discount, the final price, which one would you go for? Yeah, look, I'd just be nice and simple, Pete. I'd just tend to final price, leave it to everyone else to work it out. Yeah. Don't have to think about it. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't have to make your decision. I mean, the tender doesn't close until the 1st of October. So a lot can happen between now and the 1st of October. Mm. One way that you are reasonably insulated is that the price 
um, will relate to the market price on the ASX in the days immediately up to the close of the, of the off-market buyback. So you don't have any market risk in the meantime. So the, the actual, you know, if the market falls or rises, the price will adjust for what happens between now and then. But I would be expecting to tend to final price. And depending on, uh, you know, how many shares I get accepted for, um, maybe buy some back on market, but the bulk would probably be going into one of the other major banks. Mm. It's going to be interesting um, when it's all said and done, it could be a lot of people wanting to buy those, stock, those stocks again, which will drive the price up. Yeah, look, it's one of the reasons why the price did go up because an off-market buyback was expected. Hmm. Uh, we did see it go up uh, quite strongly after it was announced because it was a bit bigger than people thought at $6 billion. But I think the markets also realised it is super expensive uh, and that's one of the reasons it's been coming off the last two or three days. They go X dividends day, it's $2, um, you know, um, dividend. And so tomorrow it'll be back at about $100 um, by the looks of it. Mm. Uh, one last question is, I noticed that my Switzerland dividend growth fund is now at record highs. Is this because the, the level of dividends being declared is, is actually surprising the market? So a fund like that just harvests a lot of dividends? Yeah, absolutely, Peter. I mean, dividends are, are a lot, lot higher than they were last year. Not quite back into 2019 levels, but you know, we've got BHP reporting tomorrow. We're expecting another enormous dividend out of BHP, Fortescue later in the week. Banks are all higher, and a lot of the other companies, the, the trend in dividends so far has been really positive. So mm. things like the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund, um, not just benefiting from certainly um, things like... Uh, you know, higher prices, but also the bigger dividends coming out. And that's a fund also that will, um, Peter, will, will take part in the buyback. So it'll do some, uh, you know, tax advantageous selling there into the buyback, um, which will be good for unit holders in that fund. Okay. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next Thanks. week. Thanks, Peter. And that was Paul Rickard from the Switch Report and that little story about CBA and the buyback, he's covered it there. So if you're not a subscriber, Take out a free trial and check out the Switzer Report, switzerreport.com.au. I'm Peter Switzer. I'll see you for Thursday's show. Thanks for joining us.